0: welcome to fantastic history i'm sarah and i'm clay we're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events people and mysteries throughout history this isn't something i felt the need to do in a while but i want to give a trigger warning up front that this episode contains mention of sexual violence Oh, okay so if that's not something you can listen to i totally understand we'll catch you next week for everybody else, in the spirit of Halloween, I wanted to tell you a tale today that involves grisly murders, ritual sacrifices, a witch in an intimate relationship with the devil and hellfire itself.
1: Jeez, this is a Halloween episode. It is
0: the perfect Halloween episode. Maybe I should have saved it for the 31st, but you know, this way, if you don't listen to it on release day, you can still listen to it on Halloween, right? This is the story out of Ireland that was so infamous that it became a legend. And that's actually where I'd like to start. And then we can sort of like work backward to get to the actual truth. Okay. Not much is known about Dorcas Kelly's early life, except that she was born sometime in the first half of the 1700s in Dublin. There are no drawings or paintings of her that were done during her lifetime. And similarly to the star of episode 43, Victor Noir... Everything we know about her today is because of how she died and the fact that she became a legend many years after the fact. Okay. Now, let me go ahead and address the elephant in the room here. Is the name Dorcas hilarious? It is. Yes. Absolutely. Like, there's really no (laughs) getting around that. Dorcas is the Irish word for dark. And while that's still kind of a pretty weird thing to name your kid, uh, she was more commonly known as Darkie, which is a little better than Dorcas. I suppose. Uh, I don't know. Once she was old enough to work, which I'm sure was a horrifically young age given the time period we're talking about, she started working at Maiden's Tower, which was a very popular brothel frequented by the upper echelons of Irish society. Through hard work and determination, she ended up becoming the madam of Maiden's Tower and was able to retire from seeing clients with one exception. Simon Luttrell was the sheriff of Dublin when he first started employing Darkey, and he would later become a member of the British House of Commons. He was the first Earl of Carhampton and Baron Earnham of Luttrellstown. His family had held an earldom outside of Dublin since the year 1210. So we are talking old, old money here. It's been over 500 years. Yeah,
1: no kidding. So
0: his father had been a celebrated officer in the Jacobite army during basically like a watered down version of the Wars of the Roses, where Jacobites wanted James II to be king of England and restore the Stuarts to the throne. And the Williamites, as the name implies, wanted William III. He ended up being captured by Williamites and running his mouth so that they would spare his life. <laughs> the Jacobites didn't exactly love that, so they yanked him off his sedan chair and murdered him right out in the open in 1717. Ooh. So for those wondering what a sedan chair is, it's basically what the Ewoks used to carry C-3PO around. <laughs> like a high back chair sitting on top of two poles so that people can carry you around. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, obviously, C-3PO factors into this. Yeah. Anyway, Simon Luttrell was the only client that Darkie continued to see after she became the madam. The legend of Darkie Kelly states that she became pregnant during this time. And since he was the only man she was sleeping with, it was obviously Simon's baby. She demanded money from him for the upkeep of their child. Problem is, Simon had a wife and eight kids at home. Oh, my gosh. But he's the sheriff and a member of landed gentry, so like you can't be messing around and getting sex workers pregnant like that is going to be a huge scandal. Yeah. To avoid the scandal, Simon bribed someone to accuse Darkie of witchcraft, and the police were informed that she'd murdered the baby in a ritual sacrifice to the devil. Simon then bolstered these claims by adding that Darkie had bewitched him and basically forced him to impregnate her so that she could sacrifice their baby to the devil. It's easy to cover up for the fact that nobody ever found the baby's body or ever saw this baby alive in the world at all because, duh, she'd burned it, descended to, to hell. <laughs> so, there. I mean, sorry yeah. we don't have proof. Like, she burned it. It's convenient. Right? Darkie was tried for witchcraft, found guilty, and executed. Hmm. But again, that's the legend. If we zoom out a little bit and take a more thorough look at the people involved, an interesting theory emerges that's backed up by newspapers at the time. Historians now recognize that this legend came about when two separate but somewhat related stories of two women became merged together in the public's memory. So let's start with the real Darkie Kelly. As far as surviving records show, she was born in Dublin and became the Madam of Maiden's Tower, which was in fact the sort of upscale brothel that a appealed to aristocratic clientele. So that part's true. It's also true that she was intimately involved with Simon Luttrell, the sheriff of Dublin, but he had no involvement in her eventual prosecution. As for why she was prosecuted. Well, it was for the St. Patrick's day murder of shoemaker, John Dowling in 1760. Oh, she and John got into a fight at Maiden's tower over money. He owed The fight turned physical, and Darkie managed to inflict a pretty intense injury. It wasn't necessarily a fatal blow, but he'd been knocked out cold, and Darkie and her girls couldn't tell if he was alive, so they just carried him down to the vault and locked him in. Ooh. Yeah. The problem is, John Dowling was married, so his wife kind of noticed when he didn't come home. Sure. That night, or the next night, or the next one, she eventually went to the police, who traced his steps to Maiden's Tower, where his body was discovered. Darkie was arrested and put in jail to await trial. While there, she kept pleading for mercy, claiming she was pregnant, but when they brought in midwives to examine her, they reported that she was lying. Hmm. Now, while it's certainly possible that she was lying, it's also possible that she was early on in a pregnancy and they couldn't detect it through whatever means they were using, or they knew she wasn't lying, but they were paid off or had a grudge against sex workers or whatever. There's really no way of knowing. And I don't want to sit here and call her a liar because we don't know if she was lying.
1: That's true. Either way could be likely.
0: Right. Regardless, when her case finally went to trial, she was found guilty of murder and executed on January 7th, 1761. I'd like to talk about the way she was killed because at this point in history, when men were found guilty of similar crimes, they were hanged. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward, usually a pretty quick way to die, you know, standard. Not so for women who faced the same grisly fate as Darkie. She was half hung, meaning a chain was placed around her hands and under her arms to hold her weight. A noose was then put around her neck and they kicked a stool out from under her. This strangled her without killing her because her arms are bearing her weight, not her neck, but she's still being strangled because the noose is still tightened. Okay. She hung there for about 15 minutes until she became unconscious. Next, they removed the noose and hung her by her hands over her head so that she was just dangling there by the chain on her wrist. They then set her on fire. Tell me you hate women and don't consider them people without telling me you hate women and don't consider them people. Is that what they really did? Yes. There are like newspaper articles describing other women being executed in this way. Men were always hung. Women were always strangled and burned. Burned? Burned because all bad women are witches and that's how you deal with a witch
1: was she actually i I thought the witch part was considered part of the legend
0: it is like there's no evidence that she ever practiced witchcraft but that was just kind of a societal view at the time you Mm. treat all women all female criminals
1: so even if there's no there's like no evidence of witchcraft you still do it just out of maybe like well, this is what, just how we do it with women.
0: Right. If a woman is evil, then obviously she's. Don't take a chance. Witch. Yeah. Not worth it. Okay. Yeah. Now, Darkie's girls loved her, and this did not go down well. To their mind, forcing payment from a customer was part of her job as the madam of Maiden's Tower, and she didn't do anything wrong. Certainly not wrong enough to be publicly tortured to death. They held a wake for her at Maiden's Tower that lasted for five days. And things got pretty raucous. Some of the girls were mourning her death. Some were celebrating her life. And some were raging against the injustice that had been inflicted on her. For this third group, things got so out of hand that 13 of them ended up being arrested and charged with exhibiting raucous public behavior. Raucous. Raucous public behavior. They raged. Hmm in 1788 so 27 years later a story came out in the paper saying that five other bodies had been found in the same vault where john dowling's body was found now not at the same time nobody's implying they found six and she was only ac- accused of one but like oh my god we've just found five more bodies down here they posthumously accused Darkie of these murders and she became in the public opinion ireland's first female serial killer Nothing remotely like this was reported during her life, though. And I think that's worth bearing in mind. Like, almost 30 years after she's dead, you find bodies. So she did it? Like, okay.
1: I guess it would depend on, like, who had access to the vault and all these things. But it's probably, like, it could have been anyone, right?
0: Well, let's find out. Let's let's continue. Maybe we'll find out.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: As far as things we can confirm about her life... That's where the story ends for Darky. Hmm. So okay. then where did all the other crap in the legend come from? Well, like I mentioned, like this is two stories kind of that got entangled, right? So we're going to jump forward about 30 years. The Maiden's Tower is still going strong and is now being run by a madam named Maria Llewellyn. One of her best clients is a fellow named Henry Luttrell, as in the oldest son of Darky's buddy, Simon Luttrell. Yeah. Yeah. One day, a man named John Neal needed to get a letter delivered to Maria. Now, John was a bit of a shit. (laughs) He was a hairdresser who was constantly bailing on his clients, showing up drunk, not paying his bills, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It seems safe to assume he also visited sex workers despite being a married man because there's probably not a ton of other reasons to need to send an urgent letter to a madam. I mean, maybe it was about rescheduling her hair appointment. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but the letter itself isn't important. What's important is that this drunken louse decided to send his 12-year-old daughter, Mary, to deliver this letter. Mary was brought into Maria's sitting room to wait for her, but she wasn't alone. Maria's next client, Henry Luttrell, was also there waiting. And, yeah. No. This... Third generation asshole decided to rape a little girl while they waited. Maria walks in and is like, um, what? Like, obviously very upset to walk into this, like pulls the guy off her, like tries to help this girl. What are you going to do? Mary runs home and immediately tells her dad and stepmom what just happened. And they go to the police. It's possibly the first time John's done something right in his life, but it actually doesn't go so well for him. The detectives took down their information, said they'd look into it, and sent them on their way. The next time the Neal family saw those detectives, it was when they showed up to arrest John and his wife, Anne, and charge them with theft. Anne, who was pregnant at the time, ended up dying in prison before they ever went to trial. Once John was released from prison due to lack of evidence, he and Mary got the hell out of Ireland altogether and never looked back. Mm -hmm. Maria Llewellyn, the madam, was arrested for prostituting a child. The story the police were spinning was that Mary Neal lived in Maiden's Tower as a sex worker, which was extremely illegal because she was 12. There ended up being too many witnesses for the defense and basically none for the prosecution. So Maria got to keep her life and went back to her job at the tower. Henry Luttrell naturally walked away scot-free for raping a child yeah
1: Mm-hmm. sounds right
0: all that in mind it's understandable how over time the stories of Darkie and Mary got mixed up Sheriff Latrell and his shit stained son were both involved as was the Maiden's Tower the story of the pregnancy and the Black Mass and like that whole aspect of the story stems from Darkie lying about being pregnant potentially allegedly lying about being pregnant so that her life would be spared at trial because you have her screaming in these you know like people are at trial hear her screaming about the baby, but there's never any record of a baby. So that's uh, kind of where, I, right, all that gets pretty muddy. But then it does seem kind of odd that witchcraft and the occult play such a big part in the legend if that whole aspect of the story wasn't true, right?
1: It wasn't even involved, right? At right. All?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that's. The legend, like when you're looking up, I was doing this research and I, you know, googled Darkie Kelly and it's like witchcraft, Darkie Kelly's a witch, like bah, 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 bah. that's still a lot of how she's presented. And it's like, okay, based on what, stupid, right? All right, so let's talk about Simon Luttrell. This is the elder Latrell, the sheriff, he was the reigning champion of assholery at the time. That's not me asserting my opinion, but rather a straight-up fact. Dozens, if not hundreds, of hate-filled poems were written about him during his lifetime, the most famous of which is called The Diaboliad, a poem dedicated to the worst man in His Majesty's Dominions. Honestly, the title alone is pretty scathing, uh, but it got worse from there, continuing on for no less than 40 pages. Wow. Given the length of it, like I'm not going to read the entire thing because um, that would be cuckoo. But the opening paragraph is like a pretty comprehensive view into why people hated him so much. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little treat. Okay. I have not the honor of being acquainted with your lordship. And as I do not wish there should be any attempt to violate my property, to estrange the affections of my wife, to seduce my daughter or corrupt my son, it is a matter of real satisfaction to me that I have not formed any connections with you. Oofa doofa. I mean, yeah. don't hold back. The poem goes on to name him the worst man in His Majesty's dominion, of course, and the only one worthy of taking over the devil's dominion. So basically, he's the only guy bad enough to take over hell when the devil retires. <laughs> and th- so, wow. like, that's the whole poem is about, like, the devil comes up to earth and is looking for like the guy to replace him <laughs> and no one is evil enough and cutthroat enough to do it. And he finally finds Simon Luttrell and is like, thank God my search is ended.
1: I found the worst man
0: found him. Like he might be more evil than me. Incredible. No notes. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's not great. So what's the deal? Well, certainly part of the reason for his less-than-stellar reputation is that he was a member of the Hellfire Club. Now, Unfortunately, yeah, I don't mean the one, like, the really cool one with Eddie from Stranger Things. Oh. But rather, one of the more terrifying social clubs to ever actually exist. It started way back in 1725 when a man named William Connolly decided to build a hunting lodge for him and his super-rich buddies. He chose a beautiful spot on top of Montpelier Hill in Dublin. The problem was there was already a cairn of stones there, marking it as an ancient pagan burial site.
1: Oh, no. Uh
0: Uh-huh. But, you know, not giving a single shit about that at all. He leveled the hilltop and used the gravestones to build his fireplace.
1: Oh, no. Oh,
0: yeah. And this is all, like, confirmed. We are not in legend territory anymore at this point
1: oh man he he didn't read the books and i don't think
0: they'd been written yet to be fair oh man 1700s off to a great start but yeah so 10 years later following Connolly's death like believe it or not he didn't live there real long um we can assume that a really pissed off pagan ghost killed him the lodge was taken over by the hellfire club this club was an offshoot of the Freemasons and was founded by Grand Master of the Great Lodge of Ireland, Richard Parsons, 1st Earl of Ross. Beautiful. Yeah, no. Old Richard was a well known nihilist and libertine who dabbled in black magic. To give you a glimpse into his personality, he received hate mail on his deathbed that accused him of profligacy, gaming, drinking, rioting, turning day into night blaspheming his maker and in short all manner of wickedness people really knew how to put an insult together back then
1: they sure did it's great and i gotta be and it's gotta be said why uh, how can you accuse a, a man of turning day to night
0: i mean if you're living at the top of the hill people see you out here like doiled toiled double whatever yeah and they're like it gets suddenly dark and they're like motherfucker he did it again so I mean I, I wasn't there so I don't I can't confirm. That's just wild. It is wild. Suffice to say, he was the exact sort of guy necessary to run something called the Hellfire Club. Jonathan Swift once referred to its members as a brace of monsters, blasphemers, and bacchanalians. Which I actually really love, um, but was probably not a great thing to be at the time. (laughs) To be a member of the club, you could not be a Catholic. Like, they preferred you not be religious at all. But, like, Catholic is a hard no. Okay. Uh, And again, we're in Ireland in the 1700s, so that kind of eliminates a lot of people. Sure. You had to be a Freemason, and you had to have killed someone wow you couldn't just show up and be like yes hello i'm a total piece of garbage and expect them to take your word for it like they had to know for sure that you were the scum of the earth and had blood on your hands now part of that is because any sort of dispute between members was required to be settled by a duel so you had to be prepared to like straight up cap somebody who pisses you off jesus yeah so like say you get in a fight with one of your bros and you're in the lodge and other people see it happen. Like you can't back down. You have to be ready Mm. because they're not going to like, if you're not willing to duel, then they're probably just going to kill you.
1: You gotta, you gotta have, you gotta earn some respect. Yes. Gotcha.
0: Now as an aside here, the five bodies that were found in the vault of the maiden's tower, those guys were members of the hellfire club. Oh. Conventional wisdom is that they were killed in club-related duels. But How'd they end up there? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's because the (laughs) madams of Maiden's Tower were intimately involved with two generations of Hellfire members. Simon and Henry Luttrell were both members. Oh. And they were both, like, banging it out with the madams of the brothel.
1: So, So the madams were
0: involved and not necessarily involved maybe just complacent
1: complacent yeah. yeah
0: i mean these are people in positions of immense power and you are a woman in the 1700s you're yeah, telling them you no? You, no yeah yeah you can't do anything not that. happening like many other social gatherings uh the vast majority of the club's meetings involved getting incredibly drunk together But unlike most social gatherings, this very often devolved into the torture, rape, and murder of the servants who worked in the lodge, or the sex workers who were hired to attend their parties. Why? Yes. Because that's the point of the club, is to just be the biggest pieces of shit. Like, they're just each other on like i mean this is just their thing and these are all incredibly wealthy men they've never worked in their lives their fathers grandfathers great grandfathers you've never worked you're bored like you see that a lot in like murder fiction where it's like these wealthy people like we're just so bored there's no thrill left in our life so i'm just like we're gonna hunt people or like whatever
1: the most dangerous game yeah it reminds me of squid games
0: yeah yes that's a great example
1: super rich Mm -hmm. bored and sadistic
0: yeah just playing games with other people's lives because you have nothing better to do and you can afford it okay yeah jesus yeah in one infamous incident a maid working in the lodge was sealed up in an empty barrel with just a tiny opening at the top members of the hellfire club then took turns pouring alcohol into the barrel all night long until it was full They then set it on fire and pushed it down the hill. So they drowned her in alcohol and then set her on fire.
1: Mm.
0: They were known to set animals on fire and send them down the hill because the villagers below would hear the animals screaming in pain and see this ball of fire racing toward them and think it was the devil. And they just thought that was hilarious. That they're scaring scaring these villagers, like these stupid poor people who believe in the devil. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That was just their idea of a good time. And they did this so often with animals and with actual human beings that they managed to burn the lodge down twice.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Another well-known story to come out of the Dublin Hellfire Club is that of a woman named Letitia Pilkington. This is such a nightmare. Her husband was a member of the club, and after she divorced him for being a massive bastard... Several other members of the Hellfire Club broke into her home to rape her. Being the ex-wife of a member meant that she was fair game for all of the other members. This was just like part of their rules. If one of us gets divorced, you can all gang rape my ex. Like Mm. That's just a normal thing that they do. She and her maids had to barricade themselves in her room all night because they didn't stop trying to get at her until the sun started rising and they worried about being seen. So, for hours. Gross. Mm-hmm. So, to wash that bad taste out of our mouths the best we can, um, I want to circle back around to Darkie Kelly. Okay. There's now a pub on the former site of Maiden's Tower, actually called Darkie Kelly's, and of course, it is haunted. Visitors to the pub and many of its employees have reported hearing strange noises seeing objects moving by themselves and have had the eerie feeling of being watched. And there's also like, you know, if you're cleaning up at the end of the day, there's like a reflective surface. You see somebody behind you. There's nobody there. You're like, but I saw this woman with dark hair, blah, blah, blah. And there's one um, kind of infamous incident of the owner of the pub comes in the next morning to open up for the day. And, the whole place is still a wreck. Like nothing has been done from the night before. So he calls up the closing manager and is like, what the hell happened? Like, are you kidding me? You have destroyed my bar. Like what's up? And he was like, I, I couldn't get any of the employees to stay last night. Like the ghost was going crazy. Wow. And like all of the employees were so terrified that even the manager was like, yep, let's get the hell out of here. Can't do it. I'm not dealing with this. They can deal with it in the daylight. Ooh. Yeah. So it's, A pretty active sight, apparently. That's spooky. Yeah. And then other people have reported seeing her as a full body apparition, dressed in green, hovering near the bottom of the 40 steps leading to St. Audience Church, which is about a five minute walk from the pub. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I could definitely go for a pint down the pub after all that. (laughs) (sighs) Well... Thank you for listening, for spending some time with us today. Sorry for, um, you know, how genuinely terrible most of that information was.
1: It was pretty sickening.
0: It was, but you know what? This is the time of year to be scared and sickened. So, you're welcome. Indeed. If you found that story interesting, please feel free to let us know. You can find us on Instagram at fantastichpod or you can send us an email at fantastichistorypod at gmail.com Until next time.